Hello, I'm Darren Alf from BicycleTouringPro.com, and unless you've been living under a rock recently, you've probably heard about bikepacking. What is bikepacking? Well, bikepacking is a form of bicycle touring where you travel mostly on dirt or gravel roads and or single track trails. And instead of carrying your belongings in a trailer or a set of pannier bags, you carry your belongings in a small set of frame or handlebar bags or seat bags that are tied tightly to your bicycle and don't move around very much as you ride over various obstacles that you might encounter in an off-road environment. So bikepacking has become extremely popular in the last several years. So popular, in fact, that I went out and got myself a brand new bikepacking bicycle by a company called Chumba USA. The bicycle that I got is called the Chumba Ursa 29 Plus. It's a mountain bike, essentially, that's been designed specifically with bikepacking in mind. And it's got these huge 29-plus tires, which make it super easy for you to roll through uh, rough terrain and uh, makes the ride extremely comfortable and fun. So I've had my Ursa now for several months. I just completed a three-month-long bike tour with it across the American Southwest, and I've been receiving a lot of questions about this specific bicycle. So I thought today would be the perfect time for me to sit down here on the podcast and talk to somebody at Chumbo USA and ask them a little bit about the history of the company, uh, what makes for a good bikepacking bicycle. Um, we're going to talk about tubeless tires and why tubeless is now the way to go if you're into bikepacking or basically any uh, sort of off-road cycling. And finally, we're going to talk about how you can buy a Chumba bicycle for yourself. These bikes are all made in the USA um, and shipped around the world. So um, we're going to talk about how you can buy a Chumba for yourself if you'd like to. Here is my interview now with Vince, the Director of Operations and Product Design at Chumba USA. Hi, I'm Vince Colvin. I'm the Director of Operations and Product Design here at Chumba USA. Uh, we're based out of the Austin, Texas area, and I've been working with the company for close to five years now. My role's pretty varied. Um, as director of operations, I'm kind of uh, a major part of kind of every part of the process here. So um, I'm able to oversee everything from uh, production design, uh, from concept through production, through quality control, uh, to delivery to the customer, uh, as well as assembly, uh, smaller details like shipping, but also larger visionary things like marketing and, um, you know, long-term planning for the company. Uh, fortunately, I have a, a great team surrounding me um, of people who are also mountain bikers and bike packers as well. Uh, so with their help, uh, we kind of create the, uh, the team here at Chumba to to be able to help serve our customers. Cool. Now, I, I just heard you say Chumba, because I've been saying Chumba. <laughs> What's the correct way to pronounce the name, and, and where did that name come from? So there's a couple different stories I've heard as to where it came from. As for pronunciation, we're not particularly partial to one or the other, or, uh, you know, like it has to be one or the other. Uh, we typically refer to it as Chumba in-house, um, affectionately. But, you know, we've got people from all over the world and, you know, the whole concept of, uh, 
of the Chumba's tagline, which is transcend geographic boundaries, uh, was both, um, you know, early on just about trying to kind of break down, you know, the differences between people through writing, uh, make things really universal, um, and open. And it also really works well for just the concept of travel and bikepacking as well. Um, so with that in mind, it seems kind of like it'd be a, an affront to the name that's so much fun to say both ways to try to define it as one or the other. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but I should I should probably change the way I've been saying it. For months, I've been saying Chumba, and it really should be Chumba. chumba. I'm going to change it to Chumba now. It's it's typically how, how we say it. Okay. And, and what I've found is it kind of depends on where you're from as to where you might uh, start pronouncing it. Um, but one of the coolest things about the name uh, to me is, uh, in my experience, uh, people seem to really enjoy saying it. <laughs> and so whenever we're out at race events and doing things, uh, I'm constantly getting people going, yeah, chumba <laughs> or chumba. <laughs> it just depends which uh, who, who sees you, but they read the jersey and they, they like to say it out loud. I've heard two different stories on where the name came from. And one story is that it stands for Championship Universal Mountain Bike Association. Oh my goodness. Uh, which is a, which is a mouthful. Um, but that apparently that was an acronym for like a local California downhill group, uh, that was related to the company early on. Huh. And then I've also heard, uh, and seen, uh, stories that, uh, the name is both, uh, mainly just supposed to reflect, uh, a feeling of, uh, enjoyment kind of like a passion for for riding um so you know overall i think it's really fun to say that's kind of where i i connect to it yeah <laughs> um so it's just like a really positive vibe surrounding the name cool how how old is the company and and how did it get started uh it's got a pretty interesting history so it started in 1992 um a bike shop owner i believe um uh ted tenoy is also an engineer uh was basically seeing a lot of the local downhill bikes in the california area uh come through his shop and through talking with his racers uh through the shop and local riders he realized that you know in the 90s like that was a, an early kind of time period in the downhill scene where bikes were really being innovated into longer travel and more uh, capable machines. And as an engineer, he thought, well, man, I can, I can make a better, a better bike than what's out there with my background. Um, so he actually started building bikes out of the shop, out of the back of the shop with a welder. And through that initial legacy, uh, he came out with one of the very first like floating brake designs uh, some of like the longest travel, uh, you know, longest uh, travel being like the, the most uh, suspension on a bike um, at, the, at the time, uh, a few frames, and he started to get a lot of attention. Uh, he got a really great team around him. He won some national downhill championships, and that was kind of the foundation of the company was this in-house, team-tested, and it quickly uh, grew into like a very uh, uh, quality driven the the concept 
of something that was U.S. made in-house and um, you know built by a person rather than uh, you know like a, an assembly line. Yeah. Um, so that was the initial concept, um, and that's really what we we really connected to. Um, the company had great success for numbers number of years, kind of in the downhill and mountain bike trail categories. Then at some point, um, Ted decided to uh, make a move and sell the company to uh, one of his employees. That employee uh, really kind of changed the direction of the company and moved it to a more uh, overseas fabrication model, um, made some choices that um, let's just say, like, uh, we don't necessarily agree with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, long, long story short, short, he decided to put the company up for sale. When we bought the company, um, when Aaron bought the company, he, he brought me on, and we kind of talked about what we both were passionate about and what we thought would be an interesting uh, revitalization of the company and how we could connect it back to that original heritage and so really what we've done is uh, in the last five years we've completely rebranded the company um, brought our manufacturing entirely uh, to the u.s Uh, all of our steel fabrication is done in-house and all of our titanium fabrication is done within the u.s so we've really focused on on that part of the fabrication side Uh, we also felt like it was important to get a commitment to being team tested again so we've grown a, a really fantastic team of riders, uh, male and female, around the team, uh, national and international. And then, of course, uh, when you're buying something that's made in the U.S., you know, the the concept there is that you're buying something that has a real attention to detail. It's made by uh, one person or a group of people as opposed to, like, a giant factory. And so we really wanted to bring that attention to detail to every bike and quality to every bike also. Can you talk a little bit about the types of bicycles that Chumbo USA produces? Because you, you mentioned that mountain this all started with mountain biking. Do you just produce mountain bikes, or is it more than that? Uh, no, it's a lot more, which is pretty exciting for us. Um, right now, I think we have seven different frame models in current production. Those can be built in a really wide configuration of styles. So our most popular models historically have been the Stella and the Ursa. Uh, the Stella, we have two versions. We have a steel and a titanium. They're both capable of running 29-inch wheels or 27+. plus. They're also able to be built with uh, single-speed geared or roll-off drivetrains, so really versatile in their setup. Uh, the other uh, bike that has been one of our most popular models is the Ursa uh, 29 Plus, which is what you're riding, Darren. Right. Um, and uh, that bike uh, also has those capabilities for the different drivetrain options. We've only had the Terralingo Gravel Grinder for maybe a month and a half, two months now. But at the moment, it is definitely like getting a ton of attention. Uh, just won a... Uh, Award from bikepacking.com for uh, most interesting bike in uh, 2018. Wow, that's great. Yeah, so some really great, great things going on there. So we kind of expect that to be uh, one of our most popular models for 2018 as well. 
Cool. Now, you mentioned the Ursa 29 Plus, which is what I'm riding. What makes that bike different than, I don't know, like a typical mountain bike, for example? Yeah. Uh, well, the first thing is the is the plus tire size. So there there's only a handful of bikes uh, on the market that are production bikes that fit 29 plus wheels, but then also have kind of the additional thought put into it that we've done uh, that make it a better bike packing bike. Mm-hmm. Or that would make it a better bike packing bike. So uh, we've got some details just like added tire clearance, uh, which is really important if you're on any type of unknown terrain. Uh, a lot of these companies, uh, you know, you have a, a, a limitation to fit a tire size and it's really challenging to fit large tires, um, on a bike with cranks and uh, all of the, the, the parts of the frame. Um, and still have room for tires and chain clearance and crank clearance and chain ring clearance. So we've taken a lot of uh, design time and prototyping to kind of try and maximize some of those smaller details. So focus on a bike that's going to be really uh, smooth shifting, good chain line. Uh, you're not going to have problems with a, a tire rubbing the frame uh, it has larger than majority of the in- industry's uh, capacity for even up to 3.25 inch tires, which are just massive. So most of the frames out there, you know, if you're, if they say if it's a 29 by three, um, it, it probably does, but it's definitely not going to fit bigger and it may or may not have room for the type of muddy situations you could encounter on a, you know, a winter bike packing trip. Right. Yeah. You don't want to have one millimeter of space between the tire and the top of the yeah. fork or something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, and, you know, most, yeah. most companies will have at least five millimeters, which uh-huh. is kind of the industry standard. Um, but our bike is typically going to have like 10 to 15, maybe even more depending on the tire and rim combo. So yeah. That's great. That just helps keep your system a lot cleaner. Continuing a, with the Ursa 29 plus, what type of riding is that best designed for? Well, we really built it as a, as a daily driver for bike packing. I mean, that was kind of the focus of the bike. Um, so the tube set that we've chosen is meant to be, uh, durable, but also comfortable for, you know, a long full day of riding back to back. Um, the, you know, braze on options on the bike cable routing, uh, it's all designed to be compatible with things that are appropriate for bike packing specifically. Uh, we do have a lot of riders who build that bike as a, as even a cross country race bike. I've seen it built as, um, but often as a, a really fun, lightweight single speed, uh, bike just for everyday, uh, trail riding. And I've also had guys build it with, uh, you know, 100 millimeter suspension forks and make them into like really fun, like do it all, uh, mountain bikes. So what's cool about it is, I mean, it, most of us, you know, we're going to be bike packing a handful of times a year and the rest of the time of year, you might just want to ride your bike too. So it's nice to have a bike that's thoughtful and designed for bike packing. Um, but you can still just ride it and have a good time on it on the trail as well. Yeah. That's kind of what that bike is. You, um, you mentioned the fat tires and, and how that's kind of unique to this bicycle. When, when I first got the bike, I couldn't believe how fat those tires were, you know? (laughs) Um, but 
one of the my first impressions of riding on the bike with those tires was that it made the ride incredibly smooth. Can you talk about yeah. that a little bit? Yeah, that's kind of the idea of why that bike is a great bike for bike packing, um, or why that tire size is a great size for that. So the idea is that as you're getting tired and you're fatigued over a long day of riding or multiple days of riding, you kind of need uh, things in your bag of tricks to make life a little easier and make the make the ride more bearable, more fun, so you can you know focus on enjoying while you're out there. Yeah. Um, so something as simple as adding more cushion to the ride. Um, one, it reduces a lot of chatter on the trail. Uh, but the big thing is that it means that you can stay seated on the bike for longer. Mm. So you're actually using your muscles a lot less in your lower back and your legs and your arms. Um, it's more forgiving when you're moving at slower speeds because you have a wider footprint. So there's less uh, energy put into trying to balance the bike that possibly has a heavy load on it of all your bike packing gear. Yeah. Um, and then also, you know, the the larger tire, it's going to roll over obstacles um, more confidently. So, you know, as you're going through a long day and you maybe make a poor choice on your line, uh, the bike is more forgiving. So it's more likely to to help you than hinder you if you hit an obstacle that maybe you shouldn't have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just went the other day and rode my friend's, like, 26-inch mountain bike on this rocky trail near our home here. And... I, my teeth were chattering, you know, and I was thinking, gosh, I wish I had my Ursa, you know, because the ride is so much smoother. Um, can you talk about the fat bike model, too? Because you have the an Ursa fat bike as well. Yeah, we do. So, um, yeah, the, the Ursa Major is our fat bike, and uh, we offer that in a steel and a tie model. We've got uh, team riders who have done some pretty – phenomenal trips on that so one that you can look up a lot of great stories on is roberto uh, garcia lima and he's a writer of ours who's based out of spain uh, he's been on our team here for quite a while for chumbing in for wonderless gear and um, he's done some pretty amazing tours on that bike so one he started in morocco uh, rode into the sahara desert and then back up through the atlas mountains I think the total trip was close to uh, 1,900 kilometers over a period of about a month or less. And, uh, you know, almost entirely off-road, you're carrying tons of water uh, through through the desert, you know, trying to refill at wells, trading rides on his bicycle for for access to water and places to stay. Um, And then he also encountered uh, snow all through the Atlas Mountains. So, you know, he wanted to bring a bike that he was prepared for any type of weather condition, any type of terrain, and have the most possibility of being able to ride all those obstacles. Yeah. Um, so he's done a number of other tours as well, um, going uh, from the Syrian border across Israel to the Red Sea. Um, and just recently, he about a week ago, I think he just returned from going across the from Myanmar to Thailand. Uh, so he's he's really doing a, a, some pretty far out there trips where you really don't know what you're going to encounter. Um, in some cases, you, there may not be information on, you know, what you're 
where, where you're headed until you get there and figure it out. So on those types of terrains, the bigger the tire you bring, the more likely you'll be able to ride everything. So they kind of refer to that bike sometimes as an overland bike. Hmm. Um, the Ursa 29 plus that you're riding uh, is very similar in that vein in that, you know, the 29 plus tires are really capable. Um, the fat bike is like an ex- more extreme version of that to uh, open up even a wider type of terrain. The key difference being that, you know, you're moving on a fat bike. So uh, those benefits we talked about with the 29 plus tire, uh, which is like a three inch wide tire, you're going to get all those benefits, but in a slightly slower package because mm. um, that tire might be between four and five inches. Yeah. Um, so you get a little more cushion and a little more traction and a little more stability uh, but it's going to come at a slight uh, cost of maybe speed. Yeah. If I can backtrack just a little bit, um, we mentioned the weight of the bike a little at some point, and I wanted to say that with my Ursa, like when I first got this thing and saw how big the tires were, I thought, oh my gosh, this thing's a monster, you know, it kind of, it's big. But then you go to pick it up, and it's incredibly light. Like, everyone I've shown the bike to has said, wow, this is way lighter than it looks, you know? How how is how how did you make it so light? Um, well, we start with a really high-quality frame and tube set. So the frame itself is about 5.25 pounds on an Ursa, I would, I would estimate. Uh, depending on the size, it could be a little less. Um, from there, mountain bike parts in general have come a really long way. So, you know, where you in the road world, if you're trying to add durability, you're adding a lot of weight. A lot of the mountain products out there are designed to be durable and lightweight at the same time. Hmm. Or more, I won't necessarily say durable, let's say rugged. Um, so there's some benefits there because there's a wider uh, variety of products that are meant to stand up to that type of abuse. Uh, but still be lightweight. So I've seen bikes um, of ours, uh, like the Ursa, uh, built in the low 20s to the low 30s, just depending upon the parts chosen. Um, Your bike is probably about, I would estimate, about 26 pounds, I I bet. Um, I don't even think it's that heavy, but I I haven't weighed it. I'm going to go weigh it after this is over. (laughs) Well, the other big thing is uh, tubeless. So tubeless uh, on those larger tires, uh, you, you take about, you know, close to a pound to two pounds off the bike right away by getting those larger air tubes out of the bike. Hmm. Um, and there's some really great reasons to, to ride tubeless when you're, um, when you're touring just for comfort yeah. and for flat, flat protection. Tell me about that. What is the difference between tubeless and tubes? So, um, do you want me to explain what tubeless is? Yeah, yeah, maybe just a little bit for people who don't know. But also, sure. but also, like, do all of your bike are all the bikes tubeless, or or just the Ursa, or all of our bikes are tubeless compatible. Um, there's a few great benefits to riding it, but let me first explain what tubeless is. Yeah. So, um, you know, your typical system for a wheel entire combo is that you have your wheel rim a rim tape that might be canvas or plastic or rubber, um, your inner tube, and then your tire. 
that's a really traditional approach to just a, your everyday riding bike. Now, every bike that's on the market that's a mountain bike, it's actually designed to be tubeless. They're all built and tested tubeless. Anybody you see doing a team race or a pro-level event, they're probably riding tubeless. So the designs of the bike are really meant to be, uh, to get the most out of the bike, it's meant to be ridden that way. So that's that's the first reason to do it. Uh, the next reason is that it takes a ton of weight off the bike. So by removing the tubes, you know, you're, you're removing that weight from the system. Hmm. So what a tubeless system is, it's how it's different is you have a rim, a uh, very, uh, like a sticky back tape, um, that basically is an airtight seal over the rim holes. That would be where you put the spokes and nipples through the rim. Uh, so it totally seals that. Um, then you have your tire and then you install, um, you know, anywhere from four to eight ounces of sealant. And mm. the sealant is like a, uh, a liquid, uh, you know, usually like some type of latex based formula, uh, with a coagulate in it. It's something like, uh, little pieces of, uh, glitter or powder or granules. And the idea is that when you receive a puncture to the tire, those granules or particulate fill the hole and the latex shoots out from the air pressure and that air pressure causes that latex to solidify and seal the tire. So you may, you might lose a little bit of air, but you won't lose all of it. The other thing is if you get a a bad hole, uh, you can simply add a tire plug, just like you would do at home to like a wheelbarrow or your, you know, you've probably got a flat on a truck before or a car and take it to the store and had a tire plug put in. You can put a tire plug in in a matter of seconds and pump the wheel back up and be ready to rock and roll again. Hmm. Uh, so, that's kind of how the system works and how to maintain it. Um, you would just uh, carry those plugs with you, and then you know every couple months you typically want to put fresh sealant in there. The big benefits of doing it is that the tape that's inside the the wheel works just like your regular tape. So if you had to put a tube in the system, say you uh, got a hole and you lost all the sealant and you couldn't get it to seal. And you're, you know, what do you do? Uh, you simply open up the tire and put in a tube just as though you were removing an, an old tube and putting in a new one. Oh, really? The old, yeah, the only difference is that you'd have to remove the tubeless valve, which is honestly as simple as removing any presto valve from any uh, tubed, tubed wheel. Hmm. So it's very simple to, to still use in the same way. So typically for touring, you'll want to bring a plug kit, you might bring a little tiny bottle of extra sealant to add, and you might bring an extra tube or two just in case, depending upon how remote you're going. Yeah. Uh, you can run such low pressure compared to a tube system. So on a typical 29er or a typical mountain bike, a smaller tired bike, um, with a tube, most people run anywhere from 30 to 45 PSI. That is a really harsh ride. Even at 30 PSI is what, you know, we would consider a pretty, probably pretty bumpy ride. Yeah. Um, on a typical 29er with tubeless, um, a rider who is, uh, you know, 160 pounds can, you know, get possibly into the teens on the front wheel. 
so maybe 19 psi in the front and mid to upper 20s in the back, so mm. thereby getting a lot of comfort to their ride. On the plus tire, when you add that larger tire size, so uh, you know the plus tire being a 3.0 tire and above, um, or excuse me, a, a, a 3.0 tire to like a 2.8 tire, a typical tubed pressure might be uh, 20 psi. But then with tubeless, uh, you're maybe 10 in the front and 14 in the back. Um, so for the same size rider, about 160 pounds. Yeah. So it really opens up a lot of comfort, a lot of grip, and the thought that I need to t- pump up my tires really high so that the bike is fast is actually uh, a little counterintuitive to tubeless. By removing the tube, uh, you allow that really expensive tire. You know, tires aren't cheap. You know, no. it's, a, it's a bicycle component. Um, they receive a lot of wear, but they're they're a really high quality component of the bike that changes how the bike performs. So a good tire um, has a high TPI, which is a thread count, and the higher that thread count is, the more that tire can deform over obstacles. With a tubeless system, and you remove the tube from that system, the tire can more easily deform over those obstacles. So you can actually uh, decrease the rolling resistance, increase your comfort, and uh, decrease the pressure to get more traction. So those are the the three key things. Mm -hmm. So a very long-winded answer to your question, (laughs) but... You can tell I really like uh, riding tubeless. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. One of the, like, concepts for traditional bicycle touring is that, like, your bicycle is designed in such a way that you could fix it if something were to go wrong with it anywhere in the world, essentially. And mm-hmm. do you think riding tubeless, say, on a really remote bike packing trip, is that dangerous in a way? Like, if something were to go wrong with your tire, could you fix it out on the road? Or do you have to order a new one? Or how does that work? It's really, honestly, uh, in my opinion, it's it's be- it's actually better. Um, so, if you're riding with a tube, you probably still have a backup tube with you, right? Right. So, in this system, you're riding with tubeless. So, most of the time that you get a flat tire, like say you hit a thorn or a cactus or a piece of wire or a nail, yeah, all those holes they're just going to seal up from the sealant. So those right there, you mean, I just mentioned four things. Those could have been four, four patches on a tube, four times you had to stop to maintenance that. Right. So right away, you know, those four times it's sealed. Then, all right, well, you know, we've used up a lot of sealant. You hit another nail and now we've got, you know, a hole that's too big to patch. Darn. So you open it up, clean all the thorns and nails out of the tube <laughs> or out of the tire. And just put a tube in, and then you're good to go. Hmm. So, you know, whereas with the tube, you'd be patching and patching. Uh, the sealant kind of does your patching for you, and it actually eliminates a lot of the work. Right. Uh, so I've done tours, like, in desert areas where you're constantly running over cactus. And, you know, if I was there with tubes, it would be a really stressful experience where, you know, uh, I'm sure I would have had countless flats. And, you know, I've done, you know, week-long trips in, like, Arizona and uh, West Texas, 
and New Mexico and, and not had um, any flats to speak of for the entire trip and literally seeing cactuses roll around the tire, boom, 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 <laughs> and then finally, finally shooting off to the side. So. so, but that's, that's more about the tube inside. What if, what if like the whole tire were to, to explode off while I was in the middle of Peru or something? Like, are those tires really hard to find or? or? Well, they're, the thing about it is, uh, it's not, it's still the same wheel. So you can put any, uh, any tire on there that fits the diameter of the rim is a uh, match. Okay. Um, and tubeless tires are actually considerably higher quality than non-tubeless tires. And they're often, uh, they're typically always made with a much stronger aramid bead. Um, and so they're more resistant to, to popping off the wheel. And just overall, they're, they're typically built with, uh, you know, maybe sidewall protection. Most of the tires that we recommend have a sidewall protection, so they're less likely to get a sidewall tear. Um, so they're typically a much more durable, longer-lasting tire anyways. So you can actually use tires like that, even with tubes, right out of the gate and just have a better quality tire, although it would be, you know, more expensive to do it that way. Yeah. So if I, if the tubeless tire did blow off somewhere in Peru, I could go to a local bike shop perhaps and they, and just get a 29 inch tire, a traditional tire and put it on there. Correct. Uh-huh. And that's one of the cool things about your bike is that end of the day, it's just a 700 C diameter rim, albeit a wide one, but you could, you could get by putting a tube in a regular 29. Uh, tire in there if you had to and you're out in the middle of nowhere okay which m- most most any shop in the world uh, or even small town will likely probably have one of those tires sitting around somewhere. yeah that makes me feel a lot better about taking it on a remote trip yeah. or something one key thing just for i mean there are some safety things with it if you go extremely low pressure you do uh, risk potentially burping the tire so say you're cornering really hard and you've run really, really low pressure, maybe lower than you should have, you know, you might, the tire might slightly unseat for a second and squirt a little sealant out. You might lose a little pressure. Um, and then also, what if you go, oh, I want to run like 65 PSI today. Like, I don't mm. know why you would. If you do, uh, they're not designed to do that. So they're designed with a, a smaller PSI range. So typically, um, you know, you'll, you'll max out between like around 35 or 40 PSI tops. Hmm. So typically you'll want to check with your, uh, the company who made the rim and the company who made the tire and make sure that you're not exceeding, uh, any of the, uh, pressure uh, limitations that are, are in that system. Okay. We've, we've touched a, a bit on this already, but what do you think it is that makes Chumba USA unique? And like, why do people choose to buy a Chumba bicycle versus some other type of bike? Well, I can, I can name a number of reasons, but I think, uh, the, the top ones are the quality, um, the kind of assurance of that quality. I and mean, we're pretty proven through the trips we've done through our team. Uh, through our customer service record reviews. Um, so that's one thing. I mean, they know they're getting something that's, you know, made with an extreme attention to detail. Um, we're pretty, uh, open company. So, uh, we're, we like to talk about how we make things. We like to talk about, 
um, why we make things. Uh, we invite people to come visit and tour our factory. So we really um, do encourage that so they can actually see how it's made. And that kind of gets a bigger understanding for, you know, what kind of quality you're really getting. So if I'm in Austin, I can come and see the factory? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and cool. typically, typically, you know, people will come in town and we'll, you know, invite you out. Um, I even have people who we plan a bike build remotely. They come here to pick it up and be, be sized toward the factory or we go ride, do an on the trail fit, and then they leave with the bike. That's cool. Um, I've had that happen quite a number of times. So we, we like to ride. Everyone who works here is a rider. I think there's definitely uh, something in that that people appreciate. Um, but I think that our approach to just the whole, um, concept of getting someone on a bike is kind of somewhat unique in the industry. So we're really interested in selling people bikes, um, kind of for the long term. So we're interested, therefore, in building a bike that's going to last long term. We do most of our advertising through word of mouth and through, uh, stories from our riders. So it's really based around the product performing rather than us spending all of our money on advertising. We're spending our money on the quality so that it kind of compounds over time uh, to show people that it's something that's that's proven. Yeah. Uh, and then we kind of offer a really unique uh, service. So typically, if you want to buy one of our bikes, um, the first place you might go is our website. You might research and learn about the bikes, and you'll look and you'll see, okay, well, each of these models has maybe four builds, and here's what they're priced at. But then when you look a little closer, you can see we also have a side of the company that's called uh, Chumba Custom. And about 95% of our customers, like almost every customer we work with, uh, goes through that process. And they, they look on our site and they, they see something that inspires them to do. Uh, that might work for what their goal is that they're trying to achieve or their ride style. And then they call us and we usually have a really frank discussion. We talk about where they like to ride what the terrain's like, uh, if they're dealing with any physical limitations or fit issues or uh, what kind of goals they want to achieve. And we help them kind of craft a component selection um, around one of our models that's going to be most successful for that. And they can kind of walk away from it going like, I got the bike that I wanted. I didn't just buy the bike that was sitting in the box ready to go. Yeah, which is what some bike shops do, I think, sometimes, where they try to sell you a bike that they have versus the one that's going to be best for you. Yeah, for sure. And, um, I mean, we we love bike shops. We have great dealers. Um, and what we've done with them is we've kind of created the same process. So to our dealers, uh, we sell frame only. And so... When they sell one of our models to a customer, they actually give them the same type of experience that we do. So mm. they're going to go through and make sure they get the correct saddle and the correct stem length and the tires that are appropriate for their trail conditions. And you know they're going to they're going to kind of address those things and walk the customer through it. Um, so you won't find us in stores. Um, you know, like like other bikes on, on on the market, we don't have any product that arrives in a box and stays in a box and we never see. Like every single thing that we have to sell um, has to make it through our workshop and through our our quality control here. And 
and it doesn't it doesn't get built until the customer orders it. Yeah, that's really great. I mean, one one of the big parts of my job as a bicycle train pro is and helping people find the bike that's going to be best for them. And a lot of people write to me and they're like, "Hey, I want to do a bike trip or I want to go bike packing. What bike should I get?" And then I have to respond and say like, "Well, it depends like how far do you want to go? How much gear do you want to carry? What are your goals exactly, you know?" And and once I hear those questions, then I can kind of narrow it down to the bike that's going to be best for them. And it sounds like that's kind of what you're doing on a micro scale just within your business, right? Oh, com- completely. I mean, I have those discussions with people constantly. And, you know, we have people who call us and they want to do Tour Divide or the Arizona Trail or the Colorado Trail, uh, Colorado Trail, or, you know, or they just want to do a ride out their backyard and go overnight for a couple of days or to a local park and you know there's different levels of components that are suitable for all those things and different types of scenarios you might encounter on all those trips that you know being prepared for with the right choices can make a difference in the the quality of your ride so we we're kind of passionate about that whole process as you can probably tell like I get excited when someone calls and has a goal and it's my job to make them have the best experience they can when they're trying to achieve that goal. <laughs> yeah, that is awesome. That's really cool. Yep. Like we were talking about the dealers and everything. Where are Trumba USA bicycles sold? Like are they sold in dealer local bike shops only or online or how, how do I get a bike if I want one? Yeah, so we've got a couple different avenues. Um, we We have a number of dealers throughout the U.S., um, we welcome new dealers all the time. So if there's a shop that you really prefer to work with, um, as long as the shop is interested in working with us, uh, we're very open to getting new dealers and, and helping to create the experience you're looking for um, through that shop. But the majority of our sales are direct. Um, we do have online sales, but only through us. We don't allow our bikes to be sold online at any other retailer, so you'll never see them, like, blown out on a big box bike website uh, for, like, a crazy discount price. Like, we really control our product, and we really control the quality uh, kind of hand-in-hand with those things. So uh, typical experience is, uh, you know, give us a call, talk about, uh, what you want to accomplish or just what kind of ride style you want to want to have and we can discuss what the different models are and kind of educate you on you know how they're different and what they're best at and then from there select uh, components that uh, work for for those needs and and for your your personal fit am i able to like make any customizations to my bike when i order it like I don't know. Or just like if I want certain add-ons, can I get those? Oh, totally. Yeah. So we were, like I mentioned, we're, we're pretty open. Uh, we do have those uh, stock configurations on the website. Those are really starting points. Uh, they're there to kind of give you um, an idea of price ranges and what good all-around options are. And then if there's something more specific you're looking for, uh, we can do it at the level of you want to change one component to you want to change every component. Uh-huh. Uh, we we also will do things like help people make uh, customized repair kits to take on trips. 
um, kind of suggesting things that have worked for us and our team. Uh, we can do dynamo lighting, uh, dynamo battery recharge through USB, uh, custom wheels, um, custom suspension, so different different options of travel that aren't necessarily offered um, direct to consumer. Uh, so we can really do a really wide variety of things um, and add any accessories that need to go with the bike as well. What what if I want to, like, paint my bike neon pink? Will you do that for me or no? <laughs> um, so <laughs> traditionally all of our steel models have two different colorways. Um, on the Terralingua, our new gravel grinder bike, um, we have, I think, 12 different powder coat options. And we're going to start offering that, I think, also on the Stella. And basically what we'll be doing is we'll be building some here in-house raw and then uh, waiting until they sell. And when the customer picks that color, we'll go and actually powder coat it that color. Mm-hmm. So so that, that may be something that you see in the future uh, with us for sure. We're open to doing some paint customization, uh, but the, the thing is is that... Um, Every bike we do is powder coated, and not every uh, not every powder coat is created equal. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, some some of the finishes are really terrible, or the durability is not good. Others they're phenomenal, and so we've really tested and figured out which ones we like and which ones we feel there's enough quality in uh, to recommend to people. And so those are the ones that we offer there. Okay. Well, I was just joking about the neon pink, but in reality, <laughs> in reality, I really like all the colors of the bikes that you have. Like I, I mentioned um, when I met you personally, that I really like the color of the Ursa that you just came out with because it it's kind of like dirt colored, and yeah, and which is fitting for that that bicycle, I think. Yeah, we we always have usually like an earth tone with one of the models. Um, we kind of look for really timeless colors versus really trendy colors is the the idea. Again, reflecting that we want the bike to be a something you have and enjoy for a long time versus just for a passing trend. Yeah. So if I want to buy a bike, like the best way might be to either contact you directly through the website or on the phone. Yeah, I mean, we, we definitely recommend that as a, a good first step. Um, we're not into, you know, cutting out the dealer. So, like, if you have a shop that you have a great relationship with and you want to work with them, we'll help facilitate that. Okay. Um, but we can also give you a really great experience working direct with us, and we, we do the bulk of our business that way. Yeah. What, if, what if I live in Morocco and I want to get one of your bikes? How- can I can I do that or no? Uh, you certainly can. Um, it, it can be more challenging uh, working like that remotely uh, to get a complete bike because you might incur some customs fees and duties to import the bike. Yeah, um, we get a lot of international customers. In many cases, they come and actually visit us, um, and then leave with their bikes. Uh, and maybe like directly onto a trip or something. Yeah. I've seen that happen a number of times. Um, often most of our international sales are typically going to be for frame only, and then they tend to build them on their own. And, yeah. you know, we can give them recommendations for that. 
Um, but we have also done uh, complete bikes. Uh, like, for instance, uh, we do the bulk of them to, like, New Zealand and Australia. Well, my my only question, I guess, that I had left for you was, what's in store for Chumba USA in the future? Uh, it's a good question. <laughs> uh, we usually come out with at least one new bike a year. And right now we're kind of in discussions as to what that'll be. So uh, if you guys have suggestions, feel free to send it over because we're always welcome uh, what people are looking for as well. Um, if I had to guess, it'll probably be something with a bend for bikepacking. All right. Is there anything else you want to add or say? Well, yeah, I, I really appreciate everyone taking the time to listen to this. Um, you know, I uh, apologize if I got a little long-winded on anything. <laughs> uh, we're really passionate about bikes here, uh, and we welcome you guys to, to give us a call to just talk about bikes um, or plan out a build. Uh, we love hearing about your trips and where you go and being a part of it. So thanks again. If you want to learn more about Chumbo USA, see photos of all of the various bike models that they make, and learn more about the Chumba Ursa 29 Plus, the bike that I am riding now on my own bike packing adventures, be sure to visit the website at chumbausa.com. That's C H U M B A U S A.com. I'm Darren Alf from bicycletrainpro.com. Thank you guys so much for listening. And I hope to see you out on the road sometime soon.